2 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read verse 5 to begin with. This text says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize for yourselves that Yeshua the Messiah is in you unless you fail the test? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring all these things back to my memory right now. Father Yahweh, I pray that you would help me, Father, to be in tune with your word right now, Father, and realize that this is to your glory and your praise, Father Yahweh, that I'm doing this today. Father, get glory out of this sermon. Get praise out of this sermon, Father Yahweh. I don't want any for myself or for anybody else. We want to focus solely upon you, Father Yahweh, and your plan, your way of salvation. So we glorify you and we thank you for that, Father Yahweh. Help us to apply these principles that we learned today to our lives. We glorify you and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. By way of introduction, I want to talk about my attendance in high school. When I attended high school not too long ago, there was a sure way for my teachers to know if I had been listening and studying the course that they were giving. And that was they would test me at the end of the course. If we were learning about old world history, we would study about that for a particular time, usually a few months. And at the end of those months, they would give me a test and they would see if I was able to pass the test. The test revealed my knowledge of, let's say, some history or aspect of science. And I was always thankful when my paper was graded and it came back as an A or a B. I remember I very much enjoyed showing my father and my mother my papers when they had A or B on them. It didn't matter if they had a minus or plus symbol beside them or just a letter. As long as it was an A or a B, I felt good. I felt great about my my achievement great about myself. I wasn't so thankful for the times when it came back as a C or a D, right? Uh, or sometimes as an F. Because when my dad looked at that F, he knew, okay, my son has flunked this course. He wasn't listening. He wasn't studying. He didn't pass the test. He doesn't know about old world history. He doesn't know about this particular aspect of science. But not only did an F reveal it to my dad, but that F revealed it to everyone who knew about my grade. My teacher realized that all those times, all those many days that I was sitting there in her class or in his class, that I wasn't really paying attention. Attention, I wasn't really uh, considering what they were teaching or what they were saying. I didn't pass the test. I had flunked. I had failed. And I think that flunked and failed are good definitions for the letter F in that regard. But according to Scripture, there are tests that we can take to make our calling and our election sure. And these tests will reveal to a person if they are truly in the faith or not. That means if they are destined for the kingdom of heaven or for the lake that burns with fire. I think for the most part, people in general that attend church or that believe that they are saved do not examine themselves by the Scriptures to see whether or not they're saved. They probably think that they're saved because at one time in their life they may have prayed a prayer or maybe their mother or their father claims or professes to be saved or maybe they were baptized. Maybe that's why they think they're saved. 
Um, or maybe they think that they're just a good person and they don't really have anything wrong with their life and they don't really need any help, and so therefore they're saved. I guarantee you, if we were to take a poll in Rockdale County and knock on every single door in Rockdale County, I would probably guess, and I'll be a little bit lenient here, 75% of the people that we asked, are you saved, are you a Christian, would probably answer, well, yes, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. 75%, I think it would probably be more. But I'm, I'm going to be lenient and say 75 But the question is, why do they think that? Do they think that because they just go to church once a week? Do they think that because they, they prayed the sinner's prayer, so to speak, or asked Jesus to come into their, their heart? I remember when I was in vacation Bible school, I, I must have been probably five or six years old, and I remember that the person that was leading that vacation Bible school, he said, Listen, if there's any of you little children out there that want to be saved, all you need to do is you need to just bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your heart and He'll save you. And of course, me being a child, them being an adult, I believe they were telling me the truth. I believe that they were telling me what was correct. And so I began to do that. I began to ask this Jesus into my heart. I remember, Lisa, when I, when I did that, that I was unsure if I had done it right. I was unsure if I had said it right, even at an early age. And I remember for a while there that even at the age of five or six, I would continuously do that because I thought, well, maybe I didn't pray it exactly like I was supposed to pray it that first time or that second time, so I need to pray it again. I remember when I was about eight or nine years old, I was baptized in water. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no clue as to what repentance was, what faith towards God was, what the Holy Spirit was but I was baptized in water as a little child. Eight years old, I believe it was. Eight or nine. And so you, you have these things happen in your life and you go on throughout your life and you think that you're saved. And that's what happens with most people. Most people think that they're saved and then they get to a point in their life where they want to, I guess what people call, leave the faith. And people think, well, they're just going through a hard time or, well, they're just going through a difficult situation in their life right now they're wanting to just sow some wild oats and want to do this or do that don't worry they're saved it's okay they prayed the prayer they were baptized you know they, they know what's right and what's wrong but I don't think that for the majority of those times that the people that do that are really and truly saved I don't believe that they are I believe they have a false sense of security and they have a false sense of salvation you might be one of those people sitting in here today don't think that just because you're here at this assembly that that means that you're saved. Don't think that. Don't take it for granted. You might walk out that door tonight and die and be lost for eternity. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 13 to test yourself and to examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourself. Make your calling and election sure. The Bible gives us ways for us to know if we are saved and if we are not. And the, it, the ways that it gives us is not about how many times we pray to prayer. It, the way that it gives us is not just because you've been baptized. I want you to know today, I have baptized not many people. I, I would say many, but not many probably compared to most teachers or preachers. But I've probably baptized, I don't know, 25 or 30 people, I guess. And the majority of the people that I've baptized, I don't believe that they're saved. 
Now I think I have more knowledge. I would be very careful now as to who I would baptize and who I wouldn't. I would make very careful that there was conversion in their heart. Before, I guess, immaturity in the Scriptures, not very spiritual. You know, you don't really know when somebody comes to you and says, well, Brother Matthew, will you baptize me? And I felt, well, maybe I don't need to turn them down. I need to just go ahead and do it. I, I don't think I did right on that. I think that I baptized some people and that they they, they went down lost and they came up lost. There was no conversion in their life. And just because you've been baptized doesn't mean that you're saved. It doesn't. Just because you shed a few tears at an altar doesn't mean that you're saved. It doesn't mean that. Now I'm speaking this from my heart. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be harsh or hard. I'm not. I'm speaking it from my heart because I love souls. And I want to see people saved. I want to see them, what the Bible calls, be born again. I want that to happen. And I don't think that it can happen unless somebody will preach the Word and tell people just because they went through motions, that doesn't mean that they're saved. Some preachers will, will sit down with you and they think, okay, well, let's. Uh, do you want to be saved? Let's, let's get together and, and, and let me counsel you and it'll take about five minutes and I'll ask you a few questions. Do you think you're a sinner? The person says, yeah, I think I'm a sinner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then you need to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins. Okay, that's pretty good. I believe that. All right. Now I want you to pray this prayer with me. And the person says, well, okay. I'll pray the prayer. And they pray the prayer and then the preacher tells them. He says, well, okay, you've been saved. I've even heard some preachers in the South say that you go behind the barn and you, you put your tomato steak in the barn and you, you remember that where you put that tomato steak, that's the day that you asked him into your heart. And if you ever doubt your salvation, you go back and you look at that tomato steak. I've actually heard people say that before. And you tell the devil that tomato steak is proof that I was saved. And, you know, and, and, and it's humorous, we laugh, but people actually believe this, this stuff. People actually believe it. Or somebody might go back to the day that they were baptized. They say, oh, bless Johnny's heart. Little Johnny, you know, he's 18, 19. I know he's out living like the devil, but hey, he was baptized. You know, he's just he'll, he'll come around. <laughs> Little Johnny's not saved. Little Susie's not saved. You don't live like the devil as a saved person. That doesn't happen. It's not possible. I'm talking to you, it's not possible. What does, as we turn to John chapter 3, what does the term born again mean? This was very popular, I think, in the days of Jimmy Carter as he was the President of the United States at one time. And I've read about that in those days it was very popular because I think it was Jimmy Carter, if I'm not mistaken, that he claimed that he was a born-again Christian. He was born again. And that was real popular at that time to go around and these people said, well, I've been born again. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? But it seems that we have we have shaped the gospel message down to so much simplicity that we think that there's some kind of magical words that somebody can say or get in some kind of magical baptismal pool and it makes everything okay. I, 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 and I think it's very, very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous to a person's soul. You don't want to give somebody a false sense of security. I don't believe that preachers should tell people that they're saved. I don't think that's our job. I think you'll know when you're saved. I think you'll know when the Spirit of God has worked upon your heart and your life. 
And I won't have to tell you that you're saved. (laughs) You'll be able to know that you know that you know I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm different. I'm a new creature. I'm a child of the King. You'll be able to know that. I won't have to pronounce it upon you. I won't have to tell you like some kind of priest or something. I won't have to do that. What does the word born again actually mean? What does that phrase actually mean? John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Yeshua replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, first and foremost, before we get into this text a little bit, I want you to notice something that's very clear in the text. You're not born again, you won't make it to the kingdom. There is no chance of you ever seeing the kingdom. Seeing is a somewhat of an idiom or a figure of speech for making it to or inheriting or being a part of. Okay, Seeing is fine. But if you're not born again, whatever that word means, you will not be in the kingdom. So obviously it's very important for us to be born again. It's very, very important. The word born carries with it the idea, obviously, of being birthed. We know that we are birthed physically when our mother gives birth to us. We are born. You know, I've had five children be born between me and my wife. The word again, as in born again, carries with it the idea of above or beginning and is properly understood as being born from above or born anew or born afresh. A lot of people like to use the, the, the phrase born from above. And that's fine. I think that's a legitimate translation of the Greek phrase. The word there in the Greek can mean above or, or to begin again or something on the top. Okay, So born from above is fine. But born again is fine as well. Born again or born anew is legitimate translation as well. So here Yeshua was speaking of the spiritual birth as opposed to the natural birth. That's why he says after Nicodemus an- answers him, In verse 4, but how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter in his mother's womb a second time and be born? Well, the obvious answer to that is no. But, But Yeshua wasn't talking about physical birth when he said you must be born again. Getting back into your mother's womb and being born that way again. That's not what he was referring to. He was referring to the spiritual birth. You must be born again or born anew or born from above. This is why in verse 5 he says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Notice that the word Spirit now is used for born again. And then if you go down to verse 8, at the end of verse 8 it speaks of born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit is equivalent with being born again. So I could ask you, are you born again, Brother Jerry? Or I could say, in the same way, just in a different word, are you born of the Spirit? It's the same thing said two different ways. That's what Yeshua was referring to when he said, you must be born again. He was saying, you must be a partaker of the spiritual birth of Almighty Yahweh. Unless Yahweh births you spiritually, you will not enter the kingdom. Now, you didn't have, any one of us, we didn't have anything to do with our physical birth. It was something completely outside of us that caused our physical birth, right? And the same thing goes for our spiritual birth. Just like we don't have anything to do with our physical birth, it is something completely outside of us that causes our spiritual birth. And unless Yahweh has grace upon you and chooses 
to rebirth you, you won't make it to the kingdom of Yahweh. Now, I know that that is different from what the majority of modern Christian preachers teach today. They think that it is up to us on whether or not we can be saved. As though God casted one vote, the devil casted another vote, and we make the deciding vote. That's what most preachers preach, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach that it is up to us. The Bible teaches it is up to Him. We get so much involved about wanting to talk about the free will of man, we forget about the free sovereign will of Almighty Yahweh. And we remove, so to speak, because nobody can remove anything from Yahweh, but we remove in our minds and in our preaching and in our thinking the free will and the sovereignty of Yahweh when we think that Yahweh can't save anybody unless we allow Him to. You see bumper stickers that say, Give Jesus a chance. (laughs) As though, once again, man is sovereign and the Messiah has no say-so. He has no play. Well, He died for people's sins, but it only made people savable. It didn't really save anybody because now it's up to the creature to make the decision on whether or not the creature is going to be saved. That's what most people teach. Therefore, the cross really doesn't mean anything. It only made men savable. It didn't really save anybody. Now, in the biblical teaching, the cross actually saves people. It saves His elect. It doesn't save everybody. It saves His elect. And that's what's known as the doctrines of grace. Some people call it Calvinism as opposed to Arminianism. Call it what you will. It's what the Bible teaches. Unless you're born of the Spirit, you won't see the kingdom. That's what Yeshua is teaching here. A lot of people think that this born of the water is baptism. I don't think that it's talking about baptism. I believe in baptism. I believe in being baptized in water. I don't think this is talking about being born of the baptismal waters in this text. I don't think that this was what Nicodemus had in his mind. I don't think this is what Yeshua was trying to point him to. I think Yeshua was talking about unless somebody is born of both water and spirit. In other words, Nicodemus is asking about the physical birth and I believe that Yeshua is referring him back to that physical birth when he talks about being birthed or born of water. But he's saying unless you're born of water, the one you're talking about, and of the Spirit, you won't inherit the kingdom. I think that's what the Messiah is saying. And I could be wrong on that. And There's scholars that agree or disagree on that. And I guess it's not neither here nor there. But the main thing is we have to be birthed of the Spirit. We have to be born from above. Born again in order to enter the kingdom. I hope that you get that. I hope that you understand that. This is why I use the term regeneration. I think it's a term that's kind of outdated, but I think it's a term that we need to put fresh on our lips. Regeneration. What does the word regeneration mean? You've probably heard me use it in my teaching. To generate means to be born or to begin. To generate. Thus, to regenerate means to be born anew or to be born again. Okay, generate means to be born regenerate or regeneration means to be born again. So when I talk about regeneration, I'm talking about the new birth, the birth of the spirit, the birth of the heart, we could say the inner person, the inner man. And this happens by the power of the spirit. Turn back with me a few pages to John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. The scripture says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him... He gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in His name. I want you to notice that phrase, the children of God. 
How can somebody be called a child of God? If God births them, they're His child. That's why if you're saved today, you're a child of Yahweh. Because Yahweh has birthed you. Verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Now there's three negatives there in that text. I want you to look at that. Three negatives. It says, the children of God were born, but they were not born, in this case, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And so it might be news to us today, but if you're born again, it wasn't because of your own will. It was because Yahweh willed it. Romans 9.16 says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. So these people in John 1.13, which includes all those that are children of God, were born of God. As a matter of fact, if you just remove the three negatives here for just a second, in verse 13, remove not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, for just a second, because that could kind of be in a parenthesis. Look at verse 13. It could say, who were born of God. So these children of God were born of God. And that's why they're called the children of God. So regeneration, to be born again, happens when the Spirit of God births you into a new creation. Prior to this, you were only born of the flesh. That is, born of the water through the woman, through natural birth. You're born of the flesh. But not everybody is born also of the Spirit or born again. Regeneration is when the Spirit of God births you into a new creation. Prior to this, you are only born of flesh. Or we might say you only have a heart that desires carnal, worldly things rather than heavenly, spiritual things. If you're saved today, if you're truly regenerate, then you'll understand what I'm saying. You ever known somebody, you ever met somebody that you wonder how they can act or talk or be like they are? You wonder, you know, you, you examine their lifestyle and you look at them and you know them and you, you communicate with them and you wonder, what's going through their mind? What's happening? How can they do that? The reason they can do that, brothers and sisters, is because they're only children of the flesh. They're not children of the Spirit. They've not been born of God. Therefore, they only have a desire to do what is wrong. This is what Romans 8, I won't go to Romans 8 right now, but this is what Romans 8 is talking about when it talks about the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. It said the carnal mind is an enmity with Yahweh because it cannot be subject to to the law of Yahweh. You hear that word in there, cannot be subject to the law? The carnal mind, the mind that's set on the flesh, the person that's only born of the physical nature, cannot subject itself to the law. It can't. It can strive and strive and try and try and try, but it will fail every single time because it's not being regenerated. It doesn't love the things of Yahweh. It loves the things of the world. Matter of fact, it hates the things of Yahweh. It doesn't want to be subject to the law of Yahweh. The spiritual mind, though, the spiritual mind wants to be subject to the law of Yahweh. That's why today, if you, you see, maybe you see other people and you see how they live the lifestyle that they, 
that they carry out, and it's a lifestyle of wickedness and sin and, and rebellion against the holy God and His holy law. And then maybe you don't have those same feelings. You have a want to do the holy law of God. You have a want to obey God's commandments and, and be like Christ. That's only because you've been born of God. That's the only reason that you have those desires. is because you've been born of the Spirit and you're a child of God instead of a child of the devil or a child towards the flesh. That's what this means. Look with me now to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. This is a prophecy about the new covenant that has begun to take place and will find its final fulfillment at the resurrection of the dead in the future. But we see in Ezekiel 36, 26, Yahweh is speaking through the prophet and he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. He tells us here, I will do it. I will. I'm not the one that changed my heart. The reason that I love Yahweh is it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Was it my choosing? Was it my will? Was it my desire? As a person that's born of the physical man, I was born into this world hating God. Wanting to disobey my parents. Wanting to disobey authority and not wanting the things of God. But there had to be a time in my life when Yahweh, by His sovereign choice, as He says here, I will do this. I will. Not you will, but I will. He says, I will put a new heart in you. I will put a new spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and my ordinances. And I will make you clean. That's why somebody that tells me that they're saved and I look at their lifestyle and they've not been made clean, they're, they're a liar. And the truth is not in them. Because he says, I will make you clean. My mother would tell me when I grew up, you will take a bath. And I would take a bath. But Yahweh has a lot more sovereignty and power than my mother. <laughs> and if my mother can make me take a bath and make me get clean, then Yahweh can clean me if he wants to do it. And he says, I'm going to do it. Not I might do it. But I'm going to do it. So He makes clean His children. He doesn't leave them in sin. He brings them out of sin. Remember what we talked about in the last message, 1 John 3, 5? We know that He was manifested to take away our sins. To save us from our sins. If He saves us from them, that means we don't live in them any longer. So He says, I will do this. It's important here that you recognize the difference between the heart of stone and the heart of flesh. And it's important that you recognize that regeneration here, the removing of the old heart and the putting in of the new heart, is a work of God. It's not a work of man. It's a work of Almighty God. It's a work of Almighty God. Scholars call it monergism. That means it comes from, from two Greek words. It basically means one energy. As opposed to synergism. Synergism means that there's two energies at work. Monergism means one energy, one at work. Salvation is monergism, not synergism. The only reason we respond as individuals is because Yahweh first gives us a new heart. The only reason you pray and ask Yahweh to forgive you is because first 
Yahweh has given you a new heart. You wouldn't have the desire, you wouldn't have the heart to pray to God unless He gave it to you. The only reason you even want to desire to get baptized or to confess or to repent or to do anything of Yahweh is because something had to happen first. Yahweh caused, caused that to take place. Yahweh took out that heart of stone, that impenetrable heart, the one that He could not penetrate, the one that He could not work on. He took it out, put in one that's pliable, and now He molds it and He shapes it according to His Son, His perfect plan in His Son. And He conforms you to His image. So that's the difference between the heart of flesh and the heart of stone. And that's the teaching that regeneration is a work of God. Remember what John 1.13 says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And you know what? When you believe this way, Yahweh gets all the glory. And you can't take any for yourself. If you have anything to do with your salvation, then you can boast. And that's why I don't believe in this salvation by works that people teach. A lot of people in churches teach salvation by works. And it's not right. Ephesians 2, verses 8-9 through says, For by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If I make it to the kingdom and somebody asks me, well, why are you in the kingdom, Brother Matthew? And, and why is so-and-so not in the kingdom? And I say, well, the word was preached and I was a little bit more intelligent than the next guy. I was able to receive the word better. Well, that means I have room to boast there. But if I say or and I know that it's only by His grace, then I don't have any room to boast. And Paul said in one of his epistles, Brother Arnold quotes it often, I can't remember where it's at, but he says, we cannot and we do not boast as though we have not received it. For if we did this on our own, we would have room to boast. A good runner wins a race, wins a marathon, and he boasts because he trained a lot. He trained more than the other runner trained, but that's not how it is with salvation. There's only one thing that separates the saved and the lost, and that's grace. Don't ever think that your good works are meriting anything. Your Sabbath keeping doesn't merit anything. Your, your, your keeping the dietary laws, it doesn't merit anything. The only reason you even want to do those things is because Yahweh put that desire in you. He gave that to you. And you thank Him for that every day. Hallelujah. Because those are evidences that you are His child. Those are ways you can examine see whether or not you've truly been born again. So this brings us full scale back around to testing ourselves. It's important to know that the tests are tests that examines a person's life who has been regenerated. When we test ourselves, we're testing ourselves to see if we have been regenerated. Do you catch that? We're not testing ourselves to see if we're going to be regenerated. No, we're putting us to the test to see, okay, has this person experienced the new birth? Have they been saved by grace? I'm going to test their life and see if they've been saved by grace. I hope that you understand that. So 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says, Test yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Well, how do you examine yourself? Do you know that the Bible gives us tests and ways that we can know whether or not we've been saved by grace? It actually gives us ways. And if we test ourselves by any other way except the way of Scripture, we're going to have a false sense of salvation. We're going to think that we're saved, but we're really not. 
And isn't that exactly what the people in Matthew 7 thought? When they came to Him and they, they said, didn't we do all these things? Didn't we call you Lord, Lord? We're not talking about Muslims here or Hindus or Buddhists. We're talking about people that profess the Messiah to be their master. We called you master. We called you Lord. He said, get away from me. I never knew you. Notice he never knew them. They were never saved. Not that they were saved and lost their salvation, but they were never saved. He never knew them. They thought they were saved, but they weren't. If you don't want to be one of those people, I beg you and I urge you today, begin to examine yourself daily. Test yourself. Use the tests of Scripture. Use the tests of Scripture. In the next lesson, you always will, next week at the Sabbath service, we'll begin to look at these tests. Now, I want to give you a little heads up. Maybe you can do some reading between this new moon and the Sabbath. I want you to read the book of 1 John. Matter of fact, let's turn to close out. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Now, I'm going to comment on this text right now. I just want to read it. 1 John 5, 13. He says, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Sometimes when people that write epistles send them out to the recipients, to the churches, or to the people that they're meant to go to, towards the end of their epistle or their writing, they'll say, I wrote this book to you for this purpose. In John chapter 20, I think it's verse 31, the Gospel of John, John says, These things I have written to you so that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of Yahweh. That's the reason John wrote his Gospel. The reason, though, that John wrote this first epistle was that so that you may know that you have eternal life. He said, That's why I wrote this epistle. This epistle is actually a series of tests that you can take to see whether or not you have been saved. And I urge you to do it. Because if you don't pass the tests, you're not saved. You've not been born again. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you so much. Thank you for this new moon day that we've just experienced, Father Yahweh. I pray that you'd help us, Father Yahweh, and, and lead us and guide us and direct us in our path that we take this upcoming work week. And Father, I pray that we would live a Christ-like life, that we would be kind to people, loving to, towards people, and keeping uh, all of your commandments, those that show our love towards you and those that show our love towards our fellow men. And we love you and we thank you, Father Yahweh. I pray, Father Yahweh, for each and every person in this building tonight. Oh, Father Yahweh, I know that your word is just like the water that comes from heaven. It goes out and it doesn't return void. I know that you will let it do what you want it to accomplish. And so, Father Yahweh, I, I just pray, Father Yahweh, that you would have your way with the word that's been spoken tonight. Get glory out of it. We love you and we thank you. Amen.